Please turn with me to John chapter 12. We are going to look at verse 27 to 36. John chapter 12, 27 to 36. Well, before we, we look at our passage, I just want to remind us here so that those who are joining us for the first time may also know that here at Southside Bible Fellowship, we believe that since the Bible is God's word and that Everyone who believes in Jesus is a child of God. Can we say it together? The Bible is God's word for us. Father, we acknowledge your presence here. We know that, Lord, you have something that you want to speak to us this morning. And we pray that, God, you may enable us to receive it as your word, as your message. And that, Father, you may accomplish through it what you intend to accomplish this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jesus is on his way to the cross. And he is doing things as he heads to his cross. He is kind of summarizing his ministry as he prepares the disciples to take over after him. He's reminding them things, but he's also showing them things. Our passage begins with a powerful emotional statement from Jesus. It's a statement that helps us see his humanity even though he is divine. It helps us see him as the son of man even though we know that he is also the son of God. He begins by saying in verse 27, Now my soul is troubled. Now my soul is troubled. Something is happening inside Jesus as he heads to the cross. And when I read that part of this verse, of this passage, the first thing that comes to my mind is, why is his soul troubled? He's supposed to be the Son of God. And then I remember that Jesus was fully man and fully God. And uh, he experienced emotional distress just as we do today. His soul is in turmoil. He is troubled because he will take our sin and bear the wrath of God on the cross. He is troubled because he can see the wrath of God being poured on everyone who will reject him. He is troubled 
because of you and me. His soul is troubled because of what is going to happen on the cross, but also what will happen after the cross. He's troubled because he will be separated from the Father because of our sins. But he's also troubled because he knows that there will be people who will reject him and they will face the wrath of God. And therefore he says, my soul is troubled. He continues to ask here, and what shall I say? Now, I want you to know that in the Greek, this question is not clear. We are not sure whether it is a question or a statement because the language uh, didn't have question marks. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? He's expressing what we feel when we go through distress. When our souls are troubled, when we are facing a conflict, usually our prayer is to be delivered from it. And as he speaks to the Jews and his disciples, he's asking them, is this how I should pray? That Father, save me. Save me from this hour. And then he answers his own question. He says, no, it is for this very reason I came to this hour. By this hour, he's referring to his death. Then he says, Father, glorify your name. He submits to the will of of the Father. I don't know if you have faced emotional distress in your life. Anxiety, fear, depression. Emotional distress makes us ask questions. The question that Jesus is asking comes to us in different forms. And we may not ask like Jesus, but we will still ask questions. Questions like, why is God doing this? Why is he taking me through this? Why is he allowing me to experience this? To experience this? Why me? And when we see Jesus asking these questions, it's reassuring to us. It tells us, but it's not wrong to ask questions. What matters is where those questions will lead us. Jesus' question leads him to submit to the will of the Father. He desires to see the Father glorified. It's not wrong to ask questions, 
what matters is where those questions will lead us. And when you look at Jesus in verse 28, he says, Father. It means that his emotional distress is happening in the context of prayer. Father, glorify your name. It is a prayer. This reminds us of what happens in Matthew 26, verse 39, when Jesus was praying in the garden of Gethsemane. We are told, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed in Matthew 26, 39. And he said, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Again, similar, save me from this hour. But again, he responds, he says, yet not as I will, but as you will. In both prayers, in both cases, Jesus submits to the will of the Father. He desires to see God glorified. Let us continue with our passage here. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. The Father's voice confirms Jesus' prayer. Not only what had happened, but what will happen in his future. It speaks of his past, his past glory, and his future glory. And the crowd that was there and had it said, had it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. These people are refusing to believe. That's what is happening here. It's not because the voice is unclear. It's because they are refusing to accept what it is. And Jesus says to them in verse 30, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. So how can it be for their benefit if they didn't know what it said? Now is the time of judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. Now is the time of judgment. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. It tells us that the, the death of Jesus Christ on the cross pronounces judgment to Satan and to everyone who rejects him. The cross provides salvation for you and me, but it also pronounces judgment to those who reject Jesus Christ and to Satan, the prince of this world. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, calls him the God of this world. He is judged at the cross. The cross is the turning point. 
It is at the cross, at the cross where we receive Jesus or we reject him. In verse 32 he says, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. This tells us two things. One, it tells us that Jesus here is willing to die to glorify the Father. Remember he said, Father, glorify your name. Let your will be done. The death of Jesus on the cross is the greatest display of God's glory. He died on the cross to glorify the Father willingly. One, he is willing to die to glorify the Father. And two, he is willing to die a sacrificial death. He dies to glorify the Father. He dies to make a sacrifice for you and for me. It means the death of Jesus Christ when he was stripped naked and nailed to hang on the cross. It is where the Father poured his wrath upon him. It is where our sins were taken away. He willingly died. He's not, as far as this passage is concerned, I'm speaking about the past, but I also want to speak about the present. As far as this passage is concerned, Jesus is willing to die to glorify, to glorify the Father, and he's willing to die a sacrificial death. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 makes it clear. It says God made him who had no sin to be seen for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He took your place and mine. You and me are the ones who should have died on the cross. Jesus died on the cross so that you and me may not die for our sins. He became sin for us so that we can become the righteousness of God. When I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. This means that Everyone is invited to believe in Jesus. Everyone is invited to believe in Jesus Christ and have a lasting relationship with him. By being lifted up, Jesus is opening a door for all those who will believe in him to come in. It's not a commitment to accept those who will reject him. It's a commitment to accept those who will believe in him. It also means, it also means that the sacrificial death of the Son of God to glorify the Father, 
draws people to Jesus Christ. The sacrificial death of the Son of God to glorify the Father draws people to Jesus Christ. If you don't understand, don't worry. It will be clear with time. In John chapter 6, verse 44, Jesus said, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. How does the Father draw people to Christ? The cross is the means by which the Father draws people to Jesus Christ. The cross is the means by which the Father draws people to Jesus Christ. We are told in Philippians chapter 2, where the, 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 the passage that I read this morning, from verse 9, that all that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge, acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It is always through Jesus Christ that the Father draws people through the cross to Jesus Christ. The gospel is not limited to a particular race, color, or culture. It's not limited. The gospel is available to everyone. Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, No one comes to the Father but by me. Don't be confused. The Father draws people to Jesus Christ through the cross. The cross is the means by which the Father draws people to Christ. The cross is the turning point. Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. And no one will come to the Father but by the Son. Why? Because the Son died a sacrificial death to glorify the Father. And Acts chapter 4 verse 12 tells us that salvation is found in no one else. For there is... No other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. There is only one name, and that name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. I will open a door to everyone. And finally, let me finish this. 
Again, the crowd did not believe what he said because their response was in verse 34, we've heard from the Lord that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? They never expected him to die and they were not accepting his word for it. Who is this Son of Man? And listen to what Jesus says. And this is what he says to each one of us who is yet to believe in him. You're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. And when he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. Jesus is saying, you, you read the gospel of John, and John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And here he's telling them, Walk in the light while you have the light. Believe the light. He's actually pointing them to himself. He's telling them, you still have me. Believe in me so that you can become the children of light, so that we can have a relationship. Do this while you still have time. You know, sometimes the chance you have is the only chance you've got. And you have to use it. There's a commercial that says, impatience is a virtue. <laughs> and then it says, when you know what you want, waiting is not an option. When you know that you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. When you realize that if you continue to be without Christ, you may end up dying without him and be separated from God forever. That God will pour his wrath on you. When you realize that this Jesus died on the cross so that you can have your sins forgiven. When you realize that he has loved you with an everlasting love and that he died so that you can be saved. When you realize that waiting is not an option. While you still have the light, come to the light. And for those of us that believe in Jesus, there are those moments as a Christian when your heart is troubled. Your heart may be troubled because of what is happening in your life. You you are unsure of what the future has for you. 
You look at your children or your grandchildren and the way the world is and you are afraid for them. You feel your own body and you can, you're just uncomfortable. There is pain everywhere. You're no longer in control of your mind the way you used to. You are losing your memory. For you to remember something, you have to write it down. And then you have to remember where you wrote it. (laughs) And then you have to remember where you kept it. Life is no longer the same. Things are changing in your life, and and this can make you anxious. When you fail to realize your dreams, and you look back and you feel like you've wasted a lot of your time, it can trouble your soul. And I'm telling you this because I have listened to many Christians and I know there are many Christians that are living with troubled souls. When you think of your loved one who does not believe in Jesus and you can tell time is running out, it troubles you. And so as a Christian... What do you do when your soul is troubled? I'm glad you asked. When your soul is troubled, submit to God's will. Desire to see God glorified. Our souls are troubled when we have our way. When we think this is how things should happen. When we fail to accomplish what we thought we needed to accomplish. When we hit a roadblock in life. It troubles our soul. But from Jesus, the lesson that we learn today is... Even though my prayer may be, Father, save me from it. Take away this cup. Deliver me. Let me go over this. Even though that may be my prayer, even though I may be tempted to ask God to deliver me, do something and take me away from here. Jesus is teaching us that we can submit To the Father's will. That instead of saying, Father, save me from this, I can say, Father, glorify your name. Glorify yourself. And if glorifying himself is saving me from this, I'm okay with it. If glorifying himself is taking me to the cross, I'm okay with it. Because my desire has changed from what I want to wanting 
what God wants for me. Whether it is in our relationships, anything that troubles your soul, the best thing you can do is submit to the Father's will. You know why? Because he can see what you and I cannot see. And when we submit to him, he will give us the wisdom that we need. He will give us the peace that we need, the strength. If we need to endure the pain, he will provide the strength. If we need to find a way, he will give us the wisdom to see the way through. Because now our desire is to glorify him. And if we desire to glorify him, we will find ourselves doing what is right. Because we want him to be glorified. We will want to do his will. And so my encouragement to you is that you may learn from Jesus Christ. That even though he could pray for the cup to be removed, for the Father to save him, he submitted to his will. I'm not saying it's the easiest thing to do, but I'm assuring you it's the best place for us to be. In his will. Do as you please, Lord. I think I shared with you here when my son, Wisdom, was born. And uh, he had a seizure. You can imagine a tiny little baby having a seizure. And then he went into a coma. one of the most scaring moments in our lives. And then I come to see him, and the doctor tells me there's a particular medicine that they need, and they don't have it. So I need to go and look for it. So here am I going from one pharmacy to another with that prescription, the nearest pharmacy didn't have it. The second nearest one didn't have it. I asked the doctor before I left, when do you need this medicine? He said, we needed it two hours ago. So I take a public transportation, a minibus, to another pharmacy. I didn't find it. And I went to another one. And I began to, to be anxious. My soul was troubled. And I was crying inside me as I moved from one pharmacy to another. And I didn't find it. And I finally surrendered. My prayer changed from God help me find this medicine, help me find this medicine. It changed into telling God, Lord, he is yours. He is yours. If you want to take him, you can take him. 
If you want to keep him, you can keep him, but he's yours. And I went to another pharmacy and another, and I found the medicine. But I wasn't even in a hurry because I just knew there was no time. When I went back to the hospital, he was still in a coma. I gave the doctor the medicine. He took it. And of course, eventually he woke up from the coma. But that is one experience that told me, that taught me to surrender to God, to let God do his will. If you don't do that, you will find yourself worrying all the time. You will be like someone sitting on a rocking chair thinking that they are moving and you are not going anywhere. You are just bouncing back and forth. Worrying puts a question mark where God has put a period. When your soul is troubled, submit to God's will. Desire to see God glorified. And anyone who is listening to us, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can turn to him today and you will be forgiven because he died for you. When your soul is troubled, remember that Jesus endured the pain on the cross on your behalf. Isaiah calls him the man of sorrows. He identifies with your sorrow. That's why it should please you to submit to God's will. Father, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your encouragement. I thank you for reminding us that we can trust you, that we can rely on you. I thank you for teaching us, Lord, that you, you sent your, your son to die for us. And Lord, for each one of us here, I pray that you may bring this message down to our level in a way that we can comprehend it and accept it as you speaking directly to each one of us. And may you give us the strength, the courage to submit to you the desire to want to see you glorified in our lives, whichever way you will, in Jesus' name, amen.